When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode number eight of the Mistress Carrie podcast. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by Latini Creative Solutions, who for over 20 years have been leading in experience in design, print, and marketing, specializing in creative solutions that capture your voice and deliver your message. From supporting and energizing your already established brand, to developing your company's identity and marketing campaigns, Latini Creative Solutions provides design that is thoughtful, focused, and creatively executed. You can tell everything I just said is absolutely true when you look at the artwork for Cocktails in the War Room or the Mistress Carrie podcast. If you're looking to rebrand, jazz up your website or your company, or maybe create some new artwork for a new startup, Head to latinicreative.com and see if they can make you look as badass as they make me. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by Jumptown Skydiving. If you have always wanted to jump out of a plane, you got it on your bucket list and you're like, someday I'm going to do it. Why not do it right now? Jumptown Skydiving is right in Orange, Mass, about 70 miles west of Boston. They're open Thursdays, Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. And if you want to go and make a tandem skydive, whether it's with a group of friends or just by yourself because all of your friends think you're crazy, head to Jumptown. Jumptown is the very first purpose-built skydiving center in the United States, dating all the way back to May of 1959. And yes, they will take pictures and get it on video. And they also offer student discounts, military discounts, and group discounts if you can get all your friends to go with you. Head to jumptown.com for more details. Okay, this episode of the podcast features some guys that I have known for years, and I am so happy that I got to reconnect with them today. Adam Gontier and Mike Mushok make up the band St. Asonia. Now, of course, Adam Gontier comes from Three Days Grace, and Mike Mushok is also part of Stained. I saw them back in November when we did the Vinyl for Vets fundraiser with WAF. And then, after the new year, they did that amazing Friends of Six String acoustic performance at the Six String Bar and Grill down at Patriot Place. And then, of course, the whole world went to hell. So I thought this was a perfect opportunity to check in with the guys and see how they're holding up through all of the craziness. Now, don't forget, each and every episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast comes with a corresponding playlist. Right in the description of this podcast, you're going to find a playlist filled with awesome music from these guys. I'm so excited to be able to say, this is Adam Gontier and Mike Mushok from St. Asonia on the Mistress Carrie podcast.
Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie podcast. What's up? This is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. I have so lovely. Hey, this is Brent from Shinedown. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. What's up? This is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi, everybody. This is Dave Grohl from the Food Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. This is Marilyn Manson, and you're listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carrie. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening to my favorite, Mistress Carrie. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour, and you're listening to... You have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carrie. Oh, God. Oh, yeah. Adam, Mike, how are you? Hey, very good. How you doing? Doing well. What's going on, guys? Hanging out. It's nice to see your uh, smiling faces. Same to you. I mean, I, you know what? I feel like so many years went by and I hadn't seen you. Then all of a sudden, we got we did that uh, that little show, the acoustic thing Adam and I did for you, and you came down the in November string. for yeah. Veterans Day. Yeah, then you came down to the sixth string, and I mean, I feel like you know, uh, just getting yeah. acquainted. It's great. Yeah, and and nothing major has happened since I saw well, you guys last at all. Quiet year. Yeah. 2020's been a real quiet year. <laughs> I'm I'm literally st- like the whole year. The fact that things like murder hornets and UFOs being confirmed by the Pentagon in a normal year, those would be the biggest stories of the year. Mm-hmm. And right now, it's just like yeah, what? Don't even talking about it. UFOs? Who gives a fuck about the UFOs? <laughs> totally. <laughs> You guys are going to hear me swear now, which you I never got to do on the radio. Nice, right? Much easier. I mean, you've known me for years. You've heard me swear a thousand times, but never with a microphone in front of my face. And now... It's liberating, right? Yeah. I just did it. And my heart went, oh, you just swore. Like, I'm still trying to get it's into the habit button. of the fact that I don't have to worry about the FCC. I know. I have no dump button in here. I don't need one. Isn't that great? Yeah. It is. So let's let's start with where you guys are right now. Where are you guys hunkered down? At home. Yeah, home. <laughs> Just, yeah. yeah. No, but I mean home. Literally, like no. Mike, you're in Connecticut. That Correct. I know. Yeah. Adam, where are you in Canada or are you in the U.S. Yeah. right now? You're in Canada. No, I'm in Canada. Yeah, I'm in uh, just a couple hours outside of uh, Toronto, in Peterborough, Ontario, where I was born. Basically, my hometown. So because you're up there right now, are you guys just looking south at the border and just laughing at us right now? I mean, how is this being a Canadian watching what the fuck is going on in America right now? Well, I mean, well, I don't, no, I don't think anybody's laughing. I think everybody's taking it a little bit, a little bit serious, you know, but um, no, I mean, we're doing well up here. The, the, you know, the prime minister's done a fairly good job and local people have done fairly good jobs and stuff. So yeah, it's just a bummer. I mean, I'm, I've lived in the States for a long, long time. So it's uh, it's kind of like looking at home from the outside a little bit and seeing a little bit of chaos. And that kind of sucks. So the border is closed, so you can't come here and we can't go there, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which would make it a little difficult for St. Asonia to like hunker down in a house together and work on new music. 
Absolutely. There, there is the internet, and then in these days, it's pretty easy to. I mean, like a lot of things that we've done. I mean, even when Adam and I first started, it was file sharing. Like I'd record something and send it to him. He'd sing on it, send it back, and so that kind of stuff's been going on for with us since the beginning. And and technology. I mean, I know all of the bands are basically doing that right now. Technology makes it pretty easy for you guys to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. It's nice to be able to uh, just come up with ideas and songs and just send them over and get ideas going. Yeah. I know for myself being kind of locked in the house before the coronavirus, Mike Shu and I have joked that we were unemployed and social distancing before it was cool because AAF went off the air, right. you know, the third week of Three February weeks before this, the world ended. Yeah. And I've had a lot of time to find the edge of the internet to find the end of Netflix, to kind of, <laughs> what are some of the things that you guys found yourself watching or listening to that you never would have before, but now you're just so bored that you're like, all right, fuck it, I'll watch that. Well, um, for me, I mean, I've been wa- binge watched a, a bunch of different shows, so, and they're all pretty much shows. That I, n- I never really was watching TV before, so now I'm watching it a lot. I like it. I've been watching uh, watching a show called Alone. It's a reality show that was on the History Channel. Um, people get dropped in the middle of the middle of like Mongolia or something and try to survive, and it's pretty cool. Can you imagine what kind of person wants to do that for fun? Yeah, I know. It's, that seems like my right, biggest fear. Right? right. Yeah. I mean, you drop yeah, it really nowhere. These are people that, yeah. that I guess yeah. that have just been doing it since they were young or whatever. It's gone to like. Uh, and what it, like uh, uh, survival camps and all that sort of stuff, right? And they learn all these different things. And then, yeah, winner gets 500 grand. Oh, not bad. But, so it's interesting. Oh, all right, well, I'm unemployed. Right. So, <laughs> I mean, now you're just looking to sign you up. You start talking about 500 grand. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, how long do I got to last? Uh, like, what about you, Mike? I mean, honestly, for me, I've just been. This whole thing started. The kids came home from school. They were here. And I sat down and I came up with basically like a three-page list of things that I wanted to do around the house and here and get taken care of. I've really kind of been doing that. I really haven't watched much. I got through Ozark, but it literally took me like two and a half months to get through 10 episodes of that. <laughs> so it hasn't been like there's been a lot of that going on. You know what I mean? Um the, the kids did well with the school thing, you know, but I swear about six weeks into it, about 10 o'clock every day, they're at each other's throats ready to kill each other. They did really good for a bit. And then it just got to the point where they're just like, you know, couldn't take each other, I think. So we'd have that speed bump every day. We got through that. And I mean, what's been nice is that I want to say um, right about the beginning of June, I uh, their activity started. So the, my daughter rides horses, the barn opened. So She's there six days a week, and son baseball games started. You know, probably I think we're on our fourth week now. So, I uh, you know practice started for him. So they're busy almost every day with that stuff. You know, so for most people, the idea of getting stuck at home and dealing with a never-ending honeydew list is like, oh god. But when you're a touring musician, you guys haven't had this much time off at home, and how long? Well, no, I mean, we actually had a bit of a break, though, right, recently. So, I mean, honestly, for for me, I, this is kind of this, I mean, 
if I'm off the road, this is what I do anyways. So I don't know. Yeah, that's it's your really thing, no, thing here. It's really you know? no different for me, you know, except the kids are always here and we couldn't go any. felt like we couldn't go anywhere. You know what yeah. I mean? That's the big, that was the big thing. Some vacations got canceled. We had to, you know, change how we were going to do some things, but you know, you, you figure it out, right? So tell me about teaching kids at home and becoming a school teacher, because I don't have kids, but everyone I know is in hell and has so much more respect for their kids' teachers now than they ever did before. Yeah, I know. I mean, honestly, my kids are great. We They'd get up in the morning, like whatever, eight o'clock, their assignments were posted by nine. By nine o'clock, they went in there and they just, they just did their work. I mean, I'd go in there like, you need, they're like, no, we're okay. My son's grades went up. Is that because you're marking the paper? We did better. He was done in like three hours. My daughter's super meticulous about everything she does. And she would literally be in there for like eight hours and just stop for lunch, go right back and keep working. You need help? No, we're good. I mean. Are you helping with the math? Everybody I know is like, what the hell did they do to math? Now, did the new math that they have here in the U.S., is that the math you always learned in Canada, Adam? Because everybody I know that's dealing with the math changes is like, what the fuck? But what's the new math? I, I don't know how to explain it. It's like in the boxes there, and stuff, they, right? I mean, it's the same. Th- it's, it's honestly, it's kind of the same. It's not that different. Um this is where my nerdiness comes in. And I had a degree in electrical engineering. I know so I you've always had been so much degree. smarter. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not that at all. But I mean, the math thing I actually enjoy and that's where I would go and help them. And the thing about math, there's just so many different ways to get the same answer. You know what I mean? So there's, there's a bunch of different ways to do it. So, um, yeah, that was the one thing I always felt I could help them with. I think we pretty much learned the same thing, but it's, I mean, the, the measurements are different. That's all I think. That's the only real difference. But I, you guys and your metric system. Well, you, it, it metrics make so much sense. You mean the, what we have. the rest of the world and, yeah, our, exactly. and our metric system. Right. Totally. Right. Don't tell us how to math, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> so the last time that we were all together, um, we were at the Friends of Six String Benefit at... Um, the six string bar and grill, which is down at um, Patriot Place. And obviously, since everything happened, Mike, talk to me about what it's been like as a business owner, because you're not just affected by everything that's going on because you're a touring musician, but also the argument between opening up the economy and keeping it closed down for people's safety is affecting you in two completely different ways now. Yeah, no, I mean, pretty much everything that I do has been affected by, by this, you know? Um, so, but listen, I mean, I, I like, like we were saying, I feel like, you know, Massachusetts, you know, they did what they had, they felt they had to do and our numbers are still down and uh, we are slowly reopening. So, um, I mean, the, the big thing is the shows, right? And, and, and people being able to safe to go back to a show and feel comfortable in that environment. Um, I, just, I just don't know when that'll be, right? I mean, did you see that thing? Didn't Great White just do a show or something in Wisconsin and everybody went crazy because nobody had a mask on, everybody was standing Nobody right was social distancing. And, it yeah, was just like, right. it was like in North Dakota or something, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a couple of states that don't have, still don't have like any regulations. I think you can do. You that would kind think of stuff. they would be a band that would be more concerned with the safety of the people at their shows. 
you right. would think, right? That's what I, I mean, would happen I'm, south. Yeah. I'm not trying to, but I mean, yeah. If that were part of your yeah. history, that right. maybe you would want to put some extra no. thought into things. Yeah. No. Totally. You know. People so. were sending me the link on Twitter, and they're like, "Did you see this?" And I'm like. Find find the place where you don't motherfuck people on the internet, Carrie. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. can you can you find a place where you're not just railing I mean, that on one, Twitter? That yeah. one huge disaster was not enough. You feel like you have to go and try and do it again. I know. And it's, I understand the idea that there are certain places. I mean, it's the same thing with you, Adam. It's like there are parts of Canada that are highly populated. And then there are parts of Canada that are so remote that... Those people are like, we don't have any issues up here, guys. We're good. So I understand the concept that there's places like North Dakota that don't have public transportation systems, that don't have giant buildings, and they don't have people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's sparse, spread out. But but then you look internationally, and you look at major cities in like Japan that are three times as big as major cities in the United States, and they don't have a lot of cases at all because everyone's being so strict about wearing masks and washing their hands. And so it's like, what are we doing here? I don't know. I don't know. I think that, I mean, I think uh, we're making it more difficult. It seems like that just uh, from the very top, I guess, you know, the president or whatever, just passing it on to mayors, all the, you know, or passing it on to individual states to sort of take their, to do what they feel is, is right, it might be a problem. <laughs> it would be good for maybe for somebody to at the very, you know, somewhere up there to say, you know, this is what has to be done. No matter what, every state has to do this and follow this, you know, this procedure or something. I mean, it didn't work when you isolated one country with the virus because it still found a way to get here right. by through either Europe or coming directly through China or whatever. So it's like, if you think the virus is going to stop at the mass New York border and just be yeah. like, Ooh, that's <laughs> Massachusetts. We can't go in there. Like it doesn't really work that way. Yeah. And I, yeah. I feel like everybody thinks it's going to just turn 2021 and it's just going to go away. It was like all oh, next year, but it's like, well, it's the same thing. It's still going to be here. You know what I mean? It's not going to, this is here forever. Right. It's just a matter of how we can handle it and what people do to try and stop the spread of what it is, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it seems like the, at least, the, I don't know, like I said, it changes all the time. At least it seems like the, the rate of people dying isn't as bad. But I mean, is that going to go up too as all these cases have gone up? You know what I mean? If Well, it knows, depends right? on where you're at. I mean, here in the Northeast, we got it really bad really quickly. Yeah. And now our healthcare system, I think, is able to kind of handle the number of cases. But in places down south and out west that didn't get that initial surge like we did, they are now starting to need portable morgues and ventilators. And at least the testing is ramped up so that they have better access to testing than we did three months ago. Yeah. And and masks and gowns and rubber gloves and all of that PPE shortage, that made yeah. it more difficult as well. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I, what I keep saying is that you never realized how good we had it and you had no idea that, you know what I mean? Just being able to go sit down at a restaurant and feel comfortable or go to a show or hug give, your, give your friend, a, I just used to say, give your friend a hug. You know what I mean? Hey, what's up? You know what I mean? Now it's like, Oh, stand yeah. back. I talked to Tommy Vex from bad wolves and he does a lot of work with, um, 
sobriety, sober counseling, sure. mental health stuff. And and one of his famous sayings is you need at least three hugs a day to have a good mental health day. And that is so true that that physical contact, like you guys have known me for years. The first thing I do when I see you is give you a giant hug because I'm a hugging kind of person. And it's right. like, I care about you. I want to give you a hug and then I want to cook for you. That's, <laughs> that's how I show people that I care about them. Right. right. And, and going around and like elbow bumping people yeah, or like no, waving weird. from six feet away is really strange. Yeah, yeah no, it is. It really is. For sure. It's it's just awkward. People are kind of, you know what I mean? It's just a new way of trying to figure this thing out, right? I don't have kids, so I can only imagine what it's like. But can you guys talk to me about how you handle these kind of subjects as, as parents and like how your kids are kind of dealing with the news of the world that they have access to unfiltered and then obviously how it is that you guys are explaining things to them. Well, my, my son's only, uh, he turns three in a couple of weeks. So he's, you know, doesn't matter to him. He doesn't care at all. But I'm interested to hear what Mike has to say, you know, with his kids being old enough. To well, do you, does he wear a stay. mask? You know what? We went out to, uh, we went out to a store a couple of days ago to grab a couple of things and just him and I, yeah, he wore a mask and I did too. And he kept it on. So that was good. It is a Paw Patrol mask, Wow. you know? So, I mean, if I had Yours a Paw was Patrol, the Paw Patrol mask, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> binge watching that too, even when he goes to bed. Nice, yeah. perfect. Yeah, yeah. no, That's but awesome. he, so he's just he just thinks it's fun to wear a mask at this point. But it is, I mean, not seeing family, not really getting together with family all that much, or seeing his cousins or you know whoever else. It, it, yeah, it's a little bit, a little bit strange. Yeah, so I don't know. Um, my kids are thirteen year old, thirteen year old twins. You know. Um, my it's the perfect age to be locked in the house away from their friends i i never thought i'd hear it I, we were it was probably about mid-may early may and i was putting my son to bed and he's like dad i really miss school like, what <laughs> the kid that like never wanted to you know what i mean you but I mean, it's the social part of it. You know what I mean? He's a social friend. That's why I think like the baseball, him back being back with his friends and playing baseball is is really good. You know what I mean? It's great for him. Um, but you know, I think that there was there was more screen time that happened on like phones and things of that nature. So like my my daughter's super sensitive. So, like I, I honestly don't even like to have the news on if she's in the room. I don't like to hear about things because she kind of takes everything and thinks like it's going to happen to me. Like she had this thing where she, there was something on TikTok where there were like these terrorists tracking your phone. It's like, you know, people put these stupid things out. She believed the terrorists were going to track her phone and come find her. I go, you're a 13-year-old girl that lives in Connecticut in the middle of the woods. I don't think any terrorists, I've never heard of a terrorist attack. I think you're, and listen, I'm not trying to make fun of you or belittle what it is. I, you're scared. I get it. You know, but listen. Not, you're, we'll be okay. You know. Well, I mean? look at look at what we were dealing with when we were thirteen, right? I mean, we were in, it being children of the eighties. Like I'm old. I remember like the nuclear war thing with Russia. Like thinking that that was going to be a thing. You know what I mean? So, and I remember my dad telling me he's like, "Oh, when we were kids, we'd have uh, nuclear fallouts where we'd have to, and they, you know, to hide from the radiation, they would, you know, get, get under, under the, the desk. desk. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to stop it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm safe now. 
And people forget that when they talk about like the active shooter drills or things that kids go through now, it's like they scared the shit out of your parents back in the day too. Yeah, like my kids, like they go through that and they're like a guy running through the hallway slamming on doors. (laughs) Like they come home traumatized from that shit. You know what I mean? That they do. But it's like when we were growing up, though, uh, we we really kind of all grew up in this really interesting kind of era where there were pockets of war, but nothing large scale. And and the technology was I mean, the biggest thing was like, how long could you drag the phone cord down the hall (laughs) and like into your closet to talk to the girl you liked? You know what I mean? I can't imagine how any of us would have reacted if we had access to the entire world on a smartphone and were watching the major Mm -hmm. things between terrorism and pandemics and, you know, and then you get some- Black Lives Matters thing happened. All those protests were happening. I mean, that was just huge. And and around us, I mean, they were all, I mean, I'm sure you too, I'm sure that they're all over the place here. I mean, you know what I mean? So, I mean, there was just- it was a lot to comprehend and you're going through, you know, I mean, you know, it's not easy being 13. I was going to say, you guys have never been a 13 year old girl, but trust me, I was. And at that age, it's like you're a raw nerve and you just feel everything. Yeah. And you don't know what to do with it all. Yeah. And you're just trying to figure it out. And it's like, I can't imagine being a 13-year-old girl right now yeah. and try, or a 13-year-old boy and just trying to navigate growing up and trying to sure. just feel safe and worry about your friendships and your dog and your whatever when you're being barraged with the world. I mean, it's nice that the things have kind of opened up a little bit here. Like I said, I mean, my daughter, she's at the barn every day. She's there for hours a day plays baseball. He's got this club that he goes to in town where all his friends, there's a couple of pools. They go hang out. In fact, I got to bring him there and we, we're done with this. You know what I mean? He'll spend the afternoon there. You know what I mean? So there's there's things now that kind of make it a little bit easier. Whereas going through that, you know, you know, May, June, you know, once it started, to, you know, they left school on, on a Friday saying, we'll see you in two weeks, never to go back. Right. You know what I mean? So, and now there's questions of the fall, you know, so I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's definitely unprecedented, though. And you guys travel internationally so much and have for years. You're touring musicians. You've been on the road for as long as your careers have been around with with whatever bands you were with. We always, when you go to the airport, especially if you're flying internationally, always saw people wearing masks, right? And it freaked you yeah, out because yeah. you were like, why is that person wearing a mask? What's going on? Now I yeah. feel bad for yeah. like looking at those people because now I'm like... If they were not feeling well and wearing a mask, they were protecting me, and I feel like I didn't appreciate what they were doing before. Now mm-hmm. I do. Yeah. Yeah, I had this yeah. one person once that literally sat next to me, and they had like this little kit, and they opened it up, and they had their mask, and they had their cleaning wipes, and they wiped the whole thing down. They put the mask on, and they just sat there the whole thing. You know and you're I like, mean? what do but they know that I like, don't know? And now it's yeah, like, no. they were fucking geniuses. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. At the same time, maybe they didn't but, get yeah. to build up a little bit of an immunity to anything. So maybe they... Yeah, well, them. that's the other thing, too, is that you can't bleach the world either. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. where's yeah. where's the balance between eating mud and... Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> you know? We were supposed to go to Europe uh, in October. That's right. And, uh, I mean, that got put off a year now at this point. One of the you know? One of the amazing things that's happened through this whole thing 
well, there's two things. Number one has been all of the amazing um, kind of stripped down acoustic kind of things that have been happening that the bands have been doing. And tied in with that has been all of the amazing philanthropic endeavors that have come out of it. And Adam, you were part of that Feeding America Rock for Relief event. Can you just talk about getting approached to do something like that and then just what it means to be able to kind of do that kind of charity work being quarantined at home? Yeah, well, I mean, there's there's not really, there's no, I don't really have a choice. I mean, at home, just playing acoustic. We were doing some live streams, the band was, and trying to do a lot of different acoustic things. And um, yeah, I've been asked to do a few different uh, few different things, and it's just nice to be able to connect with people uh, at this point, because it, it gets pretty, it's pretty lame not being able to actually play shows. So I, I mean, anything that, anything that, I've been asked to do or, you know, I'm able to do online. I'm, tr- I'm trying to do it because I, I really enjoy it, you know, and just sitting with a, an acoustic guitar and helping people out a little bit is a lot of fun. You, know. you guys play live so much and feed off the crowd so much and have had so much experience playing shows what do you miss the most? Is it the fans? Is it the energy from the crowd? What do you guys miss the most about just being out and being able to play shows? I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I tend to enjoy, I mean, the, the couple hours that you're on stage every night is pretty much the re- obviously the reason why we're out there doing it. But I mean, the time in between that, the time that you spend with your brothers in the band, um, you know, being locked in the bus together for hours at a time and all that stuff, you you know, that's, I think I'm starting to, to realize that that's the part that is, you know, that you really um, maybe take for granted when you're on the road. Uh, you know, it's just nice to hang out with, with, with friends, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's, no, totally. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, uh, it's like high school, you know what I mean? It's like, you're this, just like, you know, this gang just, you know, kind of traveling around together, you know, experiencing the same thing and, you know, just trying to, you know, enjoy each other and go out there and put on the best show that you can. And, uh, yeah, that's always, it's always great to, you know, get that reaction to when you, when you go play and play, you know, packed venue and everybody's into what you're doing. And then, you know, when it's over, then you get that afterwards, you get to hang out with everybody and kind of like, you know, kind of, you know, relive that with, uh, you know, your fellow bandmates and the people that you're out there with. And that's really a cool experience. One of the things that the industry is really trying to call attention to is it's not just the musicians. Can you guys talk about the family of people, the group of people, the employees, the techs, the roadies, all of those people that help that machine roll when you're out on the road and how many people it takes to get that two hours on stage to be the way that you want it because that part of the industry is completely shut down and all of those people, like I don't think people understand how many people it takes to make a movie or a TV show or to put a live band on tour. It's a lot of people. Some of those guys are just so super talented and great. And a lot of them are, you know, it's like if I didn't make it as a musician, you know, some of them are just as good as any of us playing up there too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So like maybe their band didn't quite make it, but ours did. It's like, Hey, come on, you know, come work for us or whatever, you know? And, um, so, 
and there's no not much of a backup plan. I mean, those guys really kind of go from a lot of them go from gig to gig. You know what I mean? And listen, listen. Unless you're, you know, I'm sure Metallica has the same guys they've had for years and years and years. You know what I mean? But if band like ours, and we kind of have people kind of come and go, right? And we have a few people that we kind of try to keep the same. But again, they they kind of bounce around and they take work where they can get it. You know. And, and it's uh, impossible to tour without them. I mean, it's just, it is you can't, the, these them. people, I mean, I came from that kind of a background before I was on the air at AAF way back in the day. And it's right. like, they make everything happen. Yeah, you, sure. you guys can't yeah, do yeah. everything. That's, no. you need them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly. Oh yeah. For if sure. we didn't, if we didn't have them, the, sh- the shows would be just horrible. We'd be tuning our own guitars and like, Dropping guitars left and right, pulling driving your own truck, <laughs> driving our own rider trucks with the gear, with our own gear, like each one of us. I mean, listen, I remember those days. That was the worst. You play the you play the last note. You walk off stage, and five minutes later, you're gonna walk back on and start wrapping up your yeah. cables and packing up your guitars. Like, oh, this sucks. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Well, I I was fortunate to be around Stained at that stage because you were a local band. You were, yeah. So I remember like you guys loading out of Sir Morgan's Cove yeah, and like nope, wrapping up sure. your cables and yep. like, oh, the glamorous life of being in a rock band. Yeah. Nope. But you've seen it from all spectrums and obviously Adam, you know, Three Days Grace and all of the other bands that you've been a part of. It's like you have to kind of go through that oh, phase yeah. of the early years of being a musician. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Super important too. I think, I mean, to go do that, get out there and, you know, I, I mean, I know that's, that's how you grow and learn and figure out, you know, performance. And I think, you know what, it also helps you appreciate that much more later on. If you actually get to the point where somebody else is doing it for you, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they, there are so many stories about, you know, you bring up Metallica, like back in the day when they were on that co-headlining tour with Guns N' Roses and James got burned by the pyro, his roadie did play guitar for him. I mean, Sal, the the drummer that played on the Santa Sonia record and plays in Stained was the drum tech for know, 12 years, you know? So, I mean, yeah, it's not, it's not unheard of. I saw, I saw Aerosmith once and I think it was, um... Their guitar tech was playing guitar. I don't think Joe was there. Yeah, and and more recently when they had the uh, the drummer the, the thing, drum yeah, tech their drum was tech stepped in. up and played drums. Yeah, yeah same thing. You guys yeah. better watch like out; said, those guys are gunning for your yeah. gigs. <laughs> I'm telling you, these guys are talented. I mean, it's not you know what I mean. It's just they're they're like I said, they just weren't fortunate enough that their band probably didn't get signed or weren't able to you know. So they love music and they are still able to be around and be a part of it and. Uh, are a huge integral part of it. And, uh, you know, again, I mean, Adam talked about that hanging out and the family thing. I mean, it's just, you know, other personalities that are there and some of them are just great to be around and have around. They're really feeling it too right now. Yeah. And you really do become a family. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Absolutely. And it made some good friends. I mean, there's, there's people that I've had that have worked with us over the years that I still talk to all the time. You know what I mean? We might not have worked together for years, but we're still, we're still close. One of the things that keeps coming up in this podcast, um, between the military people I know and the musicians that I know, you are some of the most well-traveled people on the planet because you make your living out on the road, not only here in the United States, but obviously all over the world. And so I really want to have this podcast kind of serve as an unofficial travel guide as well. 
because I know that rock fans will tour and travel to go and see their favorite bands. Like last two summers ago, I went to uh, Bucharest, Romania to see Judas Priest. Wow. I mean, they, I, nice. I went and visited somebody that might have been stationed over there at the time, but I went and saw yeah, Judas yeah. Priest at the same time. <laughs> but what I'm saying is like, if you love a band enough and you get the opportunity to kind of check off a destination on your bucket list and go and see mm-hmm. that band, rock fans are loyal and they'll tour. So what I, what I have started asking people is, can you guys give me a travel destination, a country, a city that you absolutely loved, and then give me some specific places that you went to there, whether it be for really good booze or great food or sightseeing or something, so that maybe some Sanasonia fans that ever have the chance to leave their house and travel again might be like, oh, that's where they were talking about. I mean, I have one place that comes to, that comes, I have a couple, but one place that comes to mind that was really cool. And uh, I actually remember even, uh, Chris Lord Algae, who's a mixer, mixes a lot of records for everybody, was mixing a stained record one time. And I was with him and I was talking to him about it. But there's uh, Interlock in Switzerland. They have the Interlock in Festival. And uh, it's this little town in Switzerland, but it's like in between two, like the Swiss Alps. And they have this huge festival there. I remember we played it once and uh, town was, you know, just beautiful. But I also remember what I did there was something I'd never done. So, you, we, I remember we were sitting there having dinner. We had a day off and you look up and there's all these parachutes like coming in in the sky. I'm like, what the hell is that? Well, they drive you to the top of one of the Alps and you basically with a guide strap on a parachute, run down the hill, and jump off and the parachute opens and you're 7,000 feet in the air and you're just kind of floating around and you know so it's like land in the so it's not skydiving or base jumping but it's no you just like run and jump off one of the alps but it was cool that was a lot of fun actually we played a set and as soon as we were done i got in a van i went up there and i did it it was great what what did you eat there did i've heard the food in that part of the world is a little is a little weird yeah well europe's can be can be difficult. I mean, they have their form of pizza that they have everywhere and pasta, which you kind of stick with because you know what you're getting. You know, I don't, I don't remember. A lot, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bread and like dried meats and cheeses. So you can kind <laughs> of make. It just sounds like heaven. Yeah, no, me. that that is good. I mean, that's what, you know what I mean? <laughs> with like a spicy mustard. There you go. Put a little sandwich together. Sandwich. Oh, sounds so good. I think for me, when, when I was in three days, we went to uh, Brazil and that was, that was the spot for me going to Brazil. And uh, I mean, it was, we played a festival there. There was about 30,000 people and we were the only uh, international band. And this was early on, uh, you know, during the first record. So we were ex- like super surprised that that many people were there and it was just the best show, but we were there for, um, we were there for, I guess maybe five days or a week or something like that. I learned how to surf there or I tried to. <clears throat> I didn't learn at all. I just gave it a shot. It's not easy. I panicked when I fell. Yeah, no, it was terrible. It was horrible. And nobody noticed the Canadian trying to learn how to surf in Brazil. <laughs> nobody noticed that guy at all. You had to take no, your hockey only skates guy, off, the, though. Yeah, right. The only person that noticed was the guy who was teaching us. When when I started to panic and that when I fell off a wave, he came out and got me and pulled me back in. But um, I don't. There's so many great spots, but Brazil always stands out to me as a really cool spot to uh, it was for us to play. And I mean, if there was one of my favorite bands, you know, was playing in 
an awesome spot in Brazil, uh, I I would do that. I would make the trek down there. I'd fly down and see a killer show, you know. Hopefully we get down there, San Estonia gets down Rock there at some Rio. point, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think a lot of people are surprised at how rabid the rock music fans are in South America. I mean, mm-hmm. rock music is huge here in the United States and Canada and a lot of places in Europe. But there are certain pockets of fans around the world where it is religion. It is on a whole. You see these videos, of these massive festivals with 150,000 people. And it's like, oh, my God, yeah. they don't even understand the lyrics most of the time, but they just love mm-hmm. the music. Yeah, no, you're yeah. right. You're right. Yeah. yeah it's great. That was crazy. I remember after that show in Brazil, we went out to the, just to the front of the stage area. And there was so many people there. Barry uh, actually got his wallet stolen right out of his pocket. There were, it was Come just, on, really? Yeah, somebody scooped his wallet and just, I mean, it, it was just chaos. There was way, way too many people. We shouldn't, shouldn't have gone out there, but, you know. Yeah, it's crazy. Rabid fans is a good way to describe it. Right. That's one of the lessons I think you have to learn as a musician. And and I want you guys to tell me about some pre-show preps and rituals. I would think that is one thing that you don't go on stage with your wallet or your cell phone, right? Because you just... I don't. You're going to... Yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, what are some of the other things that when you guys are getting ready to go out, you're just like, okay, hold on, I got to make sure you empty your pockets. And like, what else are you doing? Before I got into rehab, I mean, I, I could tell you a whole bunch of things that I wouldn't go on stage with it that was in my pocket. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I usually just uh, put, put my wallet myself mm-hmm. on the side. I get nothing else there to, you know, to lose on stage. But I check my teeth to make sure I don't have like a piece of broccoli or something stuck in it. <laughs> I was going one of these, the, you know, to the mirror and go, okay, no, I'm good. Well, back when you started as a musician, there might have been like one grainy digital photograph. And now everyone's recording these shows with their amazing camera phones. And if you've got that piece of broccoli in your teeth, like it's <laughs> it's on YouTube and all over Twitter and TikTok before you even get off stage. Back when I started, they actually used to have to chisel me into stone when it was ah! a picture. <laughs> Adam, because you because you brought it up a little bit, how I, I I talked to Tommy Vext about this as well, and I know that there's a lot of musicians that are that are talking about the challenge of maintaining sobriety and really kind of taking care of your mental health with all of this stuff going on with the isolation and and the depression that is just running rampant. I mean, we talk about it all the time in the war room, um, just about how difficult it is to deal with all of the things that are going on, but the added pressure of taking care of your mental health and maintaining your sobriety is something that requires so much extra work and people that are going through it really should be commended for being able to maintain that health and sobriety while this is all happening. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's every day is a, is a, sort of a battle and a struggle for sure in the, in the best of times. So r- right now it's uh, it's a hard time to, to try to not get uh, stuck inside your own head and that sort of thing. I mean, fortunately for me, I've got a really great support system around me, just my, my family here and I'm around, 
you know, everybody that I'm surrounded myself with are very supportive. So I'm, I'm never really around, um, any, uh, temptations or that sort of thing. So, I mean, I'm really lucky that I have that. And at the same time, there's, you know, not being able to go to AA meetings and that sort of thing has been a little bit difficult, but there's, there's a lot of meetings online. Um, you know, there's a, you can find meetings everywhere. So, yeah, I think, I can only really speak for myself and it, like I said, I'm just surrounded by the right people and, and you know, I have an, an amazing family that keep me busy every day. And so I, I tend to stay out of my head for the most part um, in that sense. But if usually when I am feeling it a little bit, it's um, yeah, I can jump on a, a meeting online and that's, uh, you know, that does the, does the trick, I guess you could say. And it's one of those things where, you know, you talk about mental health and sobriety and, this is so unprecedented that when it comes to the lasting effects for your kids, the lasting effects for just us as adults, like what is this doing to all of our mental health? And like, I always viewed concerts as that place where I went to be amongst people that were part of my community. And the last concert I went to was... February 28th, I saw Bush in Vegas at the at the uh, House of Blues in Vegas. And it was the show was great. They were obviously amazing and it was sold out and it was awesome. And I didn't even think like, oh, this might be the last concert that I see for a fucking year or more. And, you know, missing that access to the community and uh not being able to be around those like-minded people and have that release. Like none of us really know what this is going to do to any of us long-term. Yeah, no, you're right. Mm-hmm. You're right. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, there's, yeah. I mean, here uh, we're just, we're, I mean, we, we try to get out a little bit in town and just go for, at least go for walks. That's sort of, so it, it feels like just small, small steps are kind of, they, they can sort of help with that sort of thing just to get out and at least get out in the community for, a few minutes and walk around and see, you know, see what's happening. But yeah, it's, it's tough. I have no idea. I have no idea what, uh, you know, what to expect over the next few months or how people are going to be and when shows are going to get back. And I don't know. It's crazy. I know both of you guys. Um, one thing that would totally help both of your mental health is uh, hockey. And Soon, right? coming up that's what they're saying i mean you guys are both extremely passionate kind of you know hockey guys i mean if you're from canada they inject it into your dna at birth don't they i mean you don't have a choice skates on right that's right yeah usually well born with uh yeah born with skates on or or gloves on or something right mike i think mike's more well mike's more mike's more the baseball guy and the football guy um, but he's a homer yeah. like I yeah, am, so you have to, worse. you got to row for the bees. and That's it, exactly, and they got a good chance this uh, year. I, I, <laughs> Go ahead, I just, Adam. I am so sick of the fucking Bruins, man. <laughs> like, it's just, it's the, it's just the, my team's nemesis. It's like you it just can't get happen, past the Bruins. You know it will. Not this year. It's going to, it's going to make victory that much <laughs> Not sweeter. Not this year. <laughs> it's going to happen. Wait, should I turn my hat well, around? We'll Here we go. How's that? Oh, there you go. You got your, you got your Red Sox hat on. Exactly. Of course, of course. But that is something that I think will help so much that, 
that sports really is unlike I mean the concerts there are a lot of these streaming shows that are happening in the next few weeks and they're doing things where you can buy tickets to get access to these no sure but sports well, everybody's is trying such... to figure it out I mean that's the right thing. even the sports thing I mean it's going to be real interesting I mean listen what happens if you know Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, come down, come down with us. You know, I mean, that your team's obviously affected. I mean, I guess it is it like the you know injured reserve. I don't know. What do you, what do you do? I mean, it's going to be a couple Probably, people yeah. on a team get. Do they shut the yeah. team down? I mean, I just don't think anybody really knows. I mean, you know, baseball's starting in what like a couple of weeks, right? So, I mean, that'll really be you know the first indicator, and then basketball shortly after that, then hockey, right? I think that's what it's going to be. So. Um, Listen, it'd be great to have it back and have it back on, right? So, yeah, at least you could be at home on your couch screaming at the television again, and and that would make you feel normal, right? Even if there's no people in the crowd, that right. at least we could watch it on television. Yeah, no, yeah, it'll be it will be nice yeah, for sure to have have some of that back, definitely. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, looking forward to the Leafs and the Jays beating all those Boston teams this year. <laughs> <laughs> you just watch. Okay. Jays are going all the You've way. You've been telling me this for years. You know? I just have yet to. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I love the fact that you guys can be in, in a band together and spend all that brotherly quality time on the tour bus that you were talking about, Adam, and literally be so opposed mm. in your sports <laughs> loyalties. It's it's really a testament oh, yeah. to your to your friendship that you guys just don't end up in fist fights every night when you're watching games it's, on TV. Oh, it's gotten heated before, I tell you. I tell you, just, you know, we've been this close to like yeah. strangling each other at certain points, but no, yeah, no, it's no. good. It's just sports. Yeah, it's exactly. really. You'll know yeah. that that's when the world is yeah. back to normal again when you're like legit fighting with people you love over sports again. Like you'll be like, oh wait, like. This feels normal. Yeah, we're back to normal. Right, right, right. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about um, the inspiration and all of the new music that you guys think is going to come out of this whole era. Because I feel like with this much downtime, um, for me, I've been spending a lot of time growing stuff in my garden and cooking because that is kind of, I don't. I can't play an instrument. I'm not musically inclined like you guys are. So I'm funneling that kind of creative energy into cooking and, and growing. I mean, my tomato plants, let me just tell you, my Sicilian <laughs> ancestors, mwah, like they would be so proud. I bet. That's awesome. But for you guys, um, are you finding it to be a more creative time writing wise? Are you, are you going into musical directions that, you didn't expect or are finding these veins of creativity because of the outside inspiration? Again, for me, I don't, it's, it hasn't really been much different. You know what I mean? It's like, if I pick up a guitar, it's, it's to try to, you know, kind of come up with something in practice. And, uh, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, you know what I mean? And if it's cool, I try to put it down, but I, I do read a lot, though. It does seem like a lot of people are working on new... I think that 2021 is going to have so many new records coming out because everybody's going to be... Yeah. There's nothing else to do, you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. I mean, there were a lot of records that were supposed to come out this year that people aren't releasing because they want to be able to tour, tour on it. I know. And it's like, okay, It but... happened to us. I mean, we had, you know, Santa Sonia had all oh, these yeah. tours. So, that went away. Yeah. You know? But but I mean, 
You don't know yeah. if you're going to be we, able to tour next year. We played year. one show since our record Carrie, came stop. Yeah. I'm not stop. trying to beat. No, but I'm saying stop. like know, for the bands right. that have these records, like maybe maybe the music is what we need right now. Like I'm trying to convince people to, to not put, put all this music, right, to put yeah, it yeah. out. Sure, yeah. No, I hear you. you but know? it's hard though. I mean, you know, the thing is, especially as a rock band, I mean, if you can't get out there and play, it doesn't, you work so hard on making that record and you don't have, I mean, listen, even financially for just trying to make a living. I mean, that's how you make a living is you go out, you tour, you play shows, you sell some t-shirts and you, you know, you, you make an income and that's how you live. You don't make it on the record side. Right. You know, it used to be that way. Everybody just to kind of pull the curtain back a little bit, like, in the last five, 10 years, people would always say, remember all those free shows AAF used to put on? How come you guys don't do that anymore? And I would always say, hey, remember when everyone was shitting on Lars yeah, about right. about yeah, having people's yeah. music yeah, getting stolen? stolen. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. This is like, I remember taking so much crap on the air back in the day and saying, well, if you want to pay 50 bucks for a t-shirt, yeah. by all means, steal the record. But- yeah. These bands are paying for studios and tour buses and instruments and yeah. diesel fuel and roadies and pyro and all of this stuff. They got to come up with the money somehow. And it used somehow. to be from record sales. And then you would tour to help sell records. Yeah. And now with the streaming services mm-hmm. and all of that, the record is now the promotional piece it that is, gives yeah. you the reason to go out on the road and go on tour. Yeah. And that's kind of what, funds and feeds the machine now so no for sure i mean it's definitely uh so i mean if you can't you can't put out a record without being able to go out on the road and and back it up you know what i mean that's and even even with what you do with radio even if you want to get something played you know that's you use that as a way of oh we're going to be in your town so if this station you know and whatever i don't know michigan yeah, we, is now going to play, play a show for you we'll right, come to the radio station come, right we're going to play some stuff so you spin the record so i mean that's that's really how the whole thing works and when you take that away and you can't get out there and you can't get on the road and you can't promote it you're taking away the the biggest chip that you have to to deal with you know what i mean to try and promote yourself and make a living that's kind of where we're at right now. I mean, we, you know, we've got blind release. I mean, it's out, it's out there, but not being able to, to play shows, stop in at stations and meet, you know, just whatever. Yeah. It's been, it's kind of, uh, I mean, I, I, yeah, whatever is where we're, what it is. I feel bad for, for people that have listened to every episode of the podcast, but I have to keep bringing it up because I haven't seen or talked to you guys since it all happened, but you bring up, what a huge part of radio is in this whole machine. And obviously WAF going off the air after 50 years. It, I'm not saying it because I was there for so long, but it really was such a huge, important radio station in in rock as a, as a genre. And in me growing, like we talked about, you said, oh, it was a station I grew up listening to. Yeah, it was a station I grew up listening to. You know what I mean? Now I'm in Connecticut. I wasn't getting it, but whenever I come back, I'd put on AF. You know, and uh, and you guys kind of had some changes there back when we came out. You guys were really about pushing new music and playing. Then you guys went heritage a little bit for a little while. I remember turning out one time. I heard Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, what is this? I got the right station. You know, but I mean, but it was still cool. It was still promoting rock. You know, so yeah. And and the thing about that is that there's so few rock stations across the country that to see uh 
one of the best ones that was out there go away sucks. I mean, it's, yeah. it's really, it, it was just sad. I mean, honestly, I can, I can remember it, finding out that that station was going away was like, I mean, I can't compare it to some, you know, a terrible, but I, it's one of those, I know exactly where I was and what I was doing when I found out. And I'll always remember that because I couldn't believe it. Where were you? I was, uh, you know, what's crazy too is when we, when we, um, Oh, sorry. I was just saying, I was at, I was at Universal with my kids. Just, on, we were on vacation. I was in a hotel room. And I was putting them to bed, and I got a text message from my buddy from work, you know, with the six string with, and I'm like, and they were saying like, what? I, I didn't believe it. Go ahead, Adam. I'm sorry. No, I was just gonna say, being from Canada too, when we first, you know, put our first record out in 2002 or whatever, coming down to the states and and touring the states was that you know a big deal for us or whatever. And there's not many stations. There's, there's only a small handful that I remember from touring way back in the day, like doing different shows for different stations. And WAF was the, was definitely the one that stood out. I remember playing a show, you know, I've mentioned a couple of times we played with corn um, and it was a WAF show. And it was, uh, I forget what strip it was on. It was on that main little strip where those, those clubs. Oh, on Lansdowne Street. Street. Yeah, yeah, and you know there was a bunch of bands. It was upstairs. We were the backstage was upstairs, and we were Avalon, probably or whatever. But yeah, it's that's what the House of Blues is now. House of Blues is now, yeah, yeah. I think that's probably where I I first met you, uh, Carrie. I I think that sounds right. Makes most sense. But yeah, anyway, did yeah. WAF was just you know even back back then was for us it was just something a station I always remember. You know, so yeah, it's a fucking bummer. One of the things that, that I've really learned in the last few months, kind of mourning the station and really trying to figure out for me what I was going to do next, is that this community, meaning the rock community, especially in this region of the country, is so passionate and so close-knit, and it made the decision pretty easy for me to want to try and keep it together which is why I launched the podcast, which is why I'm building the website. And, and I really want to be a place that can still turn people on to new bands, still give people access to the bands that they love, like you guys, and then hopefully be able to be involved with putting events and shows together when we're allowed to do those things again. And to really kind of be that clubhouse that AAF used to be where we could all kind of meet and get together and talk music or talk whatever, sure, and that we yeah. could get together and go to shows. And so even though it's not quite the same, the ability to have this kind of conversation with you guys that we could just sit back and talk about whatever. And it, 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 it is a little bit the same. And I bring sure. it up because I really wanted to thank you guys for, hanging out with me today and being so supportive of this next part of my journey, but also in keeping this community in the Northeast, these rock fans all together still, because it really is like a big family. Well, now that you're doing this, it doesn't have to just be the Northeast, right? Yeah. I'm in 77 countries now. There you go. It's so, obviously Canada's one of them, Adam, but like places like Mongolia and Thailand and Egypt, and I get these reports of who's downloading my podcast and I'm like, 
who the yeah. hell are these people? But I well, love the great. fact that the rock passion around the world is discovering the podcast. And obviously it's very cool. No, it's very cool. And I listen, I'm yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, you've always, you've always supported us and we'll, we'll be there <laughs> for Absolutely. you no matter what you're doing, you know, Absolutely. And I'm super stoked yeah. that you were able to, you know, take what happened and, you know, make it into something and build upon what you had and what you spent so many years, you know, getting to where you are. So that's great. I mean, trust me, I'm still buying lottery tickets because if I hit the big one, <laughs> I'm I'm putting a radio station on the air for right sure. On. But if that doesn't happen, I gotta I gotta work out of MCHQ and make what I can happen. I'm not happen. sure that's a great investment, but I mean, if that's what you want to spend it on, then that's. You know. I'm pretty I'm pretty sure there are rock stars that have spent way more money on way dumber Dumber's things. It, yeah, yeah, I can. Yeah. I'm absolutely positive that's true. <laughs> Adam raises his hand. Yeah, actually, he's like me. Yeah, I'm positive that's true. All right, before I let you guys go, yeah. there's a lot there's a lot going on. Mike, you brought it up earlier with the Black Lives Matter movement and everything that's going on socially. And this is something that continues to come up in the podcast as well. The rock community has always been a place, and I feel like now more than ever, is really showing the rest of the world how to be inclusive and tolerant of people's differences and to really just bring people together. And I feel like this community has always been that way where it's like, we really don't care what hockey team you like or where you're from or what color your skin is or what your religion is. Because when you're listening to that music and you're at those shows, that's really all we care about is that you're in it for the music. Is that how you guys feel? Because I feel like we could all be lessons for the rest of the world on what it's like to just bring people together as opposed to find reasons to divide them. Yeah, no question. I mean, it, listen, I don't know. I guess I live in a bubble, I guess, because I mean, it's just really hard to think that there's still that much hatred out there for you know what i mean you see some of the stuff that happens and goes on and it's just hard to comprehend and where does it come from you know so um i think that'd be a, a great thing if there's somebody could take that lesson from you know the way we, we treat people we've all yeah it's always been that it's always like you said carrie it's always been that way um we literally could care less about who you know what what uh what your beliefs are or what color your skin is or uh anything i mean we're just rock music it's just music you know and the community like you said it's it's amazing it really is i mean i don't i i was when you were uh, mentioning that i was thinking about other just other genres of music and it's it i think it's pretty few and far between to find a community so closely knit as uh as the rock music so yeah it's uh it's amazing i uh, hopefully all of this uh stuff that we're going through makes makes everybody a little bit well quite a bit stronger and finally get some change you know that we need yeah who would have thought that it we'll would see. that it would have been the weird rock people that were showing everybody else around the world like how to how to be human better yeah right the dregs of society right. that we all are <laughs> the freaks You're right <laughs> yeah well, I am so grateful that you guys took so much time to hang out with me today. It was so nice to be able to see you 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Thank and you. and to be yeah. able to talk and kind of hear how you guys are doing. I know sometimes when I when I call people and I'm like, hey, you know, come on the podcast. Let's let's talk or whatever. And they're like, well, I'm not on the road and I don't have a record out and there's nothing to talk about. I'm like, you're kind of selling yourself short. You're a very interesting person. There's plenty <laughs> of things for us to talk about. Like, I feel like this is when right. we should be kind of having all of these conversations and checking in on each other because sure. we are that close knit community that just because you guys aren't on tour doesn't mean that your fans aren't wondering how you're doing and it doesn't mean that you know totally. that 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 the fans don't care they do it's just that we can't come and see you guys play right mm -hmm. now but hopefully soon yeah Maybe. yeah well just know mm -hmm. that you guys are loved and you're missed and and everybody is glad that you're doing so well and that your families are healthy and happy and that your honeydew lists are getting checked off and taken care of <laughs> thing will never end <laughs> yeah, you got the minivan. You're driving around the kids, and then no, and then what no, are you gonna do? Are you gonna no stay in the back deck, Mike? What are you gonna do no then? Minivan. There's no minivan. <laughs> Never. I do have to say, I did rent one on vacation once, and it's probably the most practically made vehicle ever invented. However, I will never own one. I have a buddy that I have known since kindergarten, and we have been lifelong Patriots fans, right? And I have a group of friends, like from junior high, high school, that I am just blessed that I have known my entire life. Those friends sure, that you just yeah, will know, always have, yeah, right? It's awesome. so, his, so his name's Tony. One game a year, we all get tickets to a Pats game, and we plan it months out. And we figure out who's bringing what to the tailgate. We make really good food and whatever. And Tony was the guy with the minivan. And he got stuck driving the tailgate for years. And we would always make fun of him about the minivan until that first year we tailgated out of it. And we were like, this fucking thing's this kind of awesome. This pretty cool. <laughs> totally. The doors open. The seats go down. You can put anything you want in it. You relax. Lay back. I mean, come on. It looks ridiculous, it's but I got to I, I stopped really making practical. fun of minivans, man. It's really practical. And how many bands hauled their gear around in old minivans back in the day? Like I never did that either. I've, I've oh, yeah. <laughs> we, I, had, we, I, had, I had a minivan for... Uh, I don't know, like a year. It was an old town and country Chrysler. It was just a hunk of shit. But yeah, it did the yeah, job. Right? We actually we toured in a in a K car and a tent trailer. That's what? how it started. I so, didn't know that. <laughs> that was how we did. Holy smokes! Oh yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, K car and uh, tent trailer on the back with all the gear in it. Yeah. Wow, that's impressive. You'll mm -hmm. never ever bitch about that yeah, tour that bus ever ever ever. Oh, no, never, never. never. Mm -mm. Totally. No complaints over here. Yeah. Well, guys, it was so good to see you. Thank you so much. Um, Thank you, Carrie. Please, obviously, if there's if there's anything that, that we all need to know about, if you guys decide to release some music or whatever, please let me know because I know everybody would be really interested in doing it and, cool. and or be really interested in hearing it. And if I can help get the word out or if there's anything I can do to help you, just please let me know. Thank you very much. Same here. Will do. Awesome. Maybe someday I'll get you yeah, guys thanks. actually in person. You guys can come and hang out in MCHQ. There cool. you go. There you yeah, go. Do it. Yeah, it's, a little, like a it's cleaner than the old AAF here. studio, although that's not hard. Not saying much. <laughs> <laughs> there they are, Adam and Mike from St. Asonia on episode eight of the Mistress Carrie podcast. 
Don't forget, in the description of this podcast, there is a playlist where you can check out all of the music that we talked about today and also some music that I just thought you would think was totally badass. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit subscribe because there's a lot more stuff coming out than just the weekly episodes of the Mistress Carrie podcast that come out every Wednesday. Lots of surprises coming. And also, whenever we have a guest on Cocktails in the War Room, which happens every Tuesday night at 8.30 live on my Facebook page, I always try to get that interview audio up as an after-action report on the podcast as well. But click subscribe. Don't miss anything. And if you don't mind giving it a five-star review and comment on the episode. If you're looking for me on social, you can find me at Mistress Carrie on Twitter and my official YouTube channel and on Cameo and on Facebook and Instagram at Mistress Carrie WAF. Huge thanks to Latini Creative Solutions at latinicreative.com and Jumptown Skydiving at jumptown.com for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. And a huge hello to the 77 countries that are now listening. You guys rock. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.